Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled A Pandemic and Bible Prophecy, Part 11. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. Those looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, we are very pleased to announce that we can now be found on Pandora Podcasting Host. We know this is a very popular host and we are now proud to be hosted by them. This now makes our 24th podcast host you can find us on. Please find a short link to our Pandora page in our show notes starting with this episode. To all of you who enjoy Pandora, we hope you now have one more reason to enjoy our podcast. Thank you all for following our podcast so this could happen. Thank you all so much. Please check our show notes for links to our home website and other information you may want to know. Our show notes have a link to our homepage at unchurched.site123.me. Last week, June 13th, we studied Part 10 of our look into a pandemic and Bible prophecy in Chapter 10 of Exodus. One biblical comment that really stood out said, A darkness so thick it can be felt. Have you ever been in a place at night that was so dark you could feel it? While I have never felt darkness, I have been in places where it was so dark you could not see your own hand in front of your face. You had to touch it to your skin to know your hand was there. So, that is an astounding comment found in Scripture. It was also found as a simile for living in the eternal darkness of damnation. This week, we look at the tenth and final plague, death. This is the final plague, similar to the outcome in the tribulation of those who refuse to turn to God and would be saved by His grace. However, it is important here to understand the differences in these ten plagues in Egypt and the tribulation period. While there are some comparatives or similes, we need to remember that is all there is here. At best, allusions to what will come and not necessarily be evidenced in every plague. However, certainly not without a certain degree of merit helping us to understand why the tribulation period will come. If this came upon Egypt, 
It is certain that the tribulation will come upon us in today's world. A deeper understanding in that direction is helpful. This portion of Exodus gives us somewhat of an open window in that regard. This week, our scripture passage is very long. Please bear with me and listen. The Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will release you from this place. When he releases you, he will drive you out completely from this place. Instruct the people that each man and each woman is to request from his or her neighbor items of silver and gold. Now, the Lord granted the people favor with the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, respected by Pharaoh's servants and by the Egyptian people. Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go throughout Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt will die, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, to the firstborn son of the slave girl who is at her handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There will be a great cry throughout the whole land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again. But against any of the Israelites, not even a dog will bark against either people or animals, so that you may know that the Lord distinguishes between Egypt and Israel. All these your servants will come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Go, you and all the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. Then Moses went out from Pharaoh in great anger. The Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not release the Israelites from his land. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month is to be your beginning of months. It will be your first month of the year. Tell the whole community of Israel, In the tenth day of this month, they each must take a lamb for themselves according to their families, a lamb for each household. If any household is too small for a lamb, the man and his next-door neighbor are to take a lamb according to the number of people. You will make your count for the lamb according to how much each one can eat. Your lamb must be perfect, a male, one year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You must care for it until the fourteenth day of this month, and then the whole community of Israel will kill it around sundown. They will take some of the blood and put it on the two side posts and top of the doorframe of the houses where they will eat it. They will eat the meat the same night. They will eat it roasted over the fire with bread made without yeast and with bitter herbs. Do not eat it raw or boiled in water, but roast it over the fire with its head, its legs, and its entrails. You must leave nothing until morning, 
but you must burn with fire whatever remains of it until morning. This is how you are to eat it, dressed to travel, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You are to eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. I will pass through the land of Egypt in the same night, and I will attack all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both of humans and of animals, and on all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, so that when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and this plague will not fall on you to destroy you when I attack the land of Egypt. This day will become a memorial for you, and you will celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You will celebrate it perpetually as a lasting ordinance. For seven days you must eat bread made without yeast. Surely on the first day you must put away yeast from your houses because anyone who eats bread made with yeast from the first day to the seventh day will be cut off from Israel. On the first day there will be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day there will be a holy convocation for you. You must do no work of any kind on them, only what every person will eat. That alone may be prepared for you. So you will keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread, because on this very day I brought your regiments out from the land of Egypt, and so you must keep this day perpetually as a lasting ordinance. From Exodus chapter 11, chapter 12, through verse 17. Commentary has some interesting comments. Again, we can see the simile of those days in Exodus and the days of which are to come. A secret revelation was made to Moses while in the presence of Pharaoh that he might give warning of the last dreadful judgment before he went out. This was the last day of the servitude of Israel. They were about to go away. Their masters, who had abused them in their work, would have sent them away empty, but God provided that the laborers should not lose their hire, and ordered them to demand it now at their departure, and it was given to them. God will right the injured, who in humble silence commit their cause to him and none are losers at last by patient suffering. The Lord gave them favor in the sight of the Egyptians by making it appear how much he favored them. He also changed the spirit of the Egyptians toward them and made them to be pitied of their oppressors. Those that honor God, he will honor. From Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the Whole Bible, Public Domain. The, quote, going out, end quote, of Jehovah from his heavenly seat denotes his direct interposition in and judicial action upon the world of men. The last blow upon Pharaoh was to be carried out by Jehovah himself, whereas the other plagues had been brought by Moses and Aaron. From Kyle and Delich 
Biblical Commentary on the Old Testament. Now, notice what Scripture said, among many things. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, so that when I see the blood I will pass over you, and this plague will not fall on you to destroy you when I attack the land of Egypt. We can see a commonality here. Moses and Aaron brought upon the Egyptians nine of the ten plagues. The tenth plague was brought upon them by Jehovah. In the tribulation, we see a similar form, but the split is 50-50. Not the 90-10 we see here in Exodus. So, while there is a commonality, there is also an obvious difference. One difference to note is that Jesus carries out the first half of the tribulation period and then God the Father carries out the last half of the tribulation period. The Son and Father here in Exodus in the first 90% of their tribulation-style events. It was a father and son prophetic pair, and God the one and true Father of all mankind on the 10th event only. This is why we need to be cautious of those who preach these two events as being more similar than they really are. The thread of commonality displays the fact they come from the same God. Do you not do similar, but different things where you arrive at the same result? You use different means of achieving that same or very similar result. The answer to that last question, in America anyway, is yes. Very commonly, we Americans find different ways of coming up with the same conclusion. Why? Because many Americans are obsessed with finding shorter and shorter means to an end so we can get things accomplished as quickly as possible. We can then move on to the next thing or things we want to do and or need to do. So, do not jump quickly when you find commonalities in Scripture. Yes, they are to take note of, but they are also to be properly investigated to find where Scripture is not similar, somewhat similar, or may have great similarity and commonality. That is called by old-timers like me, the learning process by which we learn new things we want to know or need to know. We find in commentary, their masters who had abused them in their work would have sent them away empty, but God provided that the laborers should not lose their hire and ordered them to demand it now at their departure. And it was given to them. Did you notice that? Did you notice the abusive masters would have sent them away empty? Yet, despite these masters, God provided that the laborers should not lose their hire. Meaning, payment for services rendered. God did what? He ordered them the workers, to demand it now 
at their departure. Notice closely, commentary finishes this sentence with, and it was given to them. In today's world you live in, have you been conditioned to believe demanding what is properly yours is contrary to current thinking? That it may even be an insult to demand what is rightfully yours? Yet, you know in your situation that payment for services rendered is undeniably the right thing and thus do. Here in Exodus, God did not do for his people. He told them what to do for themselves. Today, we are so spiritually deaf, we hardly ever, and may never at all, hear our God speak to us. Do you even allow him the space in your busy lives for him to speak to you the way he will? The sad answer to that question is no. Not all people say no, but many can, and many do. We also noted, the blood will be a sign for you in the houses where you are, so that when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and this plague will not fall on you to destroy you when I attack the land of Egypt. Now, before we examine this further, I have to point out a simile. Today, we speak of the blood of the Lamb. Notice, what saved these people? The blood of a Lamb. We know for us today that we also are saved by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. This is what I commented on earlier. Similarities that require investigation. The commonality here is just like the Israelites who were saved by the blood of a lamb, as we today are saved from death eternal by the blood of the lamb, our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lord makes all things new to those whom he delivers from the bondage of Satan and takes to himself to be his people. The time when he does this is to them the beginning of a new life. God appointed that on the night wherein they were to go out of Egypt, each family should kill a lamb, or that two or three families, if small, should kill one lamb. This lamb was to be eaten in the manner here directed, and the blood to be sprinkled on the doorposts to mark the houses of the Israelites from those of the Egyptians. The angel of the Lord, when destroying the firstborn of the Egyptians, would pass over the houses marked by the blood of the Lamb. Hence the name of this holy feast or ordinance. The Passover was to be kept every year both as a remembrance of Israel's preservation and deliverance out of Egypt, and as a remarkable type of Christ. Their safety and deliverance were not a reward for their own righteousness, but the gift of mercy. Of this, 
they were reminded, and by this ordinance they were taught that all blessings come to them through the shedding and sprinkling of blood. Observe, number one, the Paschal Lamb was typical. Christ is our Passover. Christ is the Lamb of God. Often in the Revelation, he is called the Lamb. It was to be in its prime. Christ offered up himself in the midst of his days, not when a babe at Bethlehem. It was to be without blemish. The Lord Jesus was a lamb without spot. The judge who condemned Christ declared him innocent. It was to be set apart four days before, denoting the marking out of the Lord Jesus to be a Savior, both in the purpose and in the promise. It was to be slain and roasted with fire, denoting the painful sufferings of the Lord Jesus, even unto death, the death of the cross. The wrath of God is a fire, and Christ was made a curse for us. Not a bone of it must be broken, which was fulfilled in Christ, denoting the unbroken strength of the Lord Jesus. 2. The sprinkling of the blood was typical. The blood of the Lamb must be sprinkled, denoting the applying of the merits of Christ's death to our souls. We must receive the atonement. Faith is the bunch of hyssop by which we apply the promises and the benefits of the blood of Christ laid up in them to ourselves. It was to be sprinkled on the doorpost, denoting the open profession we are to make of faith in Christ. It was not to be sprinkled upon the threshold, which cautions us to take heed of trampling underfoot the blood of the covenant. It is precious blood and must be precious to us. The blood thus sprinkled was a means of preserving the Israelites from the destroying angel who had nothing to do where the blood was. The blood of Christ is the believer's protection from the wrath of God, the curse of the law, and the damnation of hell. The solemn eating of the lamb was typical of our gospel duty to Christ. The paschal lamb was not to be looked upon only, but to be fed upon. So we must by faith, make Christ our own, and we must receive spiritual strength and nourishment from him as from our food. It was all to be eaten. Those who by faith fed upon Christ must feed upon a whole Christ. They must take Christ and his yoke, Christ and his cross, as well as Christ and his crown. It was to be eaten at once, not put by till morning. Today Christ is offered, and is to be accepted while it is called today, before we sleep the sleep of death. It was to be eaten with bitter herbs, in remembrance of the bitterness of their bondage in Egypt. We must feed upon Christ with sorrow and brokenness of heart, in remembrance of sin. Christ will be sweet to us, 
if sin be bitter. It was to be eaten standing with their staves in their hands as being ready to depart. When we feed upon Christ by faith, we must forsake the rule and the dominion of sin, sit loose to the world and everything in it, forsake all for Christ, and reckon it no bad bargain. The Feast of Unleavened Bread was typical of the Christian life. Having received Christ Jesus the Lord, we must continually delight ourselves in Christ Jesus. No manner of work must be done, that is, no care admitted and indulged, which does not agree with or would lessen this holy joy. The Jews were very strict as to the Passover, so that no leaven should be found in their houses. It must be a feast kept in charity, without the leaven of malice and insincerity, without the leaven of hypocrisy. It has to be an ordinance forever. So long as we live, we must continue feeding upon Christ, rejoicing in Him always, with thankful mention of the great things He has done for us. From Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the Whole Bible, Public Domain. That commentary passage was quite long, but provides a great place to end this study with a modern commonality. The takeaway from that commentary passage is this. Christ is our Passover. The blood of Christ is the believer's protection from the wrath of God, the curse of the law, and the damnation of hell. Our safety and deliverance were not a reward for our own righteousness, but the gift of mercy. So we must, by faith, make Christ our own, and we must receive spiritual strength and nourishment from Him as from our food. We must take Christ and His yoke, Christ and His cross, as well as Christ and His crown. When we feed upon Christ by faith, we must forsake the rule and the dominion of sin, sit loose to the world, and everything in it, forsake all for Christ, and reckon it no bad bargain. It must be a feast kept in love, charity, without the leaven of malice, and insincerity, without the leaven of hypocrisy. It was by an ordinance forever. So long as we live, we must continue feeding upon Christ, rejoicing in Him always, with thankful mention of the great things He has done for us. There it is, the bottom line. If we can learn that much, then Exodus has opened our eyes, which is a blessing. That concludes our study in these plagues of Egypt. There is a whole lot more that time simply does not afford us this year. Also, while we could not point to some things that, at best, are similar in the book of Revelation, 
we did not find the more concise commonalities that other Internet-based pastors have said exist. Much of what they say is not proven, no matter how good it may sound to you. Please be careful of what you listen to on the Internet. Next week, we will start our summer study, titled, What We Need to Know or Reaffirm. We will look at First and Second Peter. This will shed much light on whether we need to know more or reaffirm what we already know but are not living up to in our life. Lay or download next week's episode in our summer series, New Birth to Joy and Holiness, from one of our podcast hosts. Or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check out our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you will find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode title, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. At present, we are located on 22 podcast sites. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.